Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On this week's episode, we recap the opening Gillette ODI Series clash in Perth, look ahead to the second game in Adelaide, and discuss the standout performance in the latest round of the JLT Sheffield Shield. Here to get through all of that and more is cricket.com.au's feature writer, Adam Burnett, who is at AB Field watching the Bulls and Warriors battle it out. Welcome, AB. Thank you, Sam. Nice to be here. AB, let's start with the ODI in Perth. Uh, South Africa won by six wickets with a dominant all-round display. Now, I was around the squad in the lead-up to that match, and I was actually very confident of a good showing by the Australians, but that wasn't the case. They were blown out of the water very early on. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought the same as you, Sam. I thought, oh, you know, this might be the opportunity to turn things around. South Africa had sort of crashed for that defeat against the PM's 11, and I thought maybe the Aussies will... Uh, break this losing sequence but uh, it wasn't to be was it like you said they um they were six for 66 i think it was and three for eight before that um but i mean you look at that middle order three four five um i think it went short lynn carey and they had a combined seven one day internationals together um in in their careers so i mean you're talking about serious inexperience i would I reckon it'll be a long time since Australia's numbers three, four, and five have played that few matches between them. So South Africa, uh, they exposed that, especially um, Dale Stane. Yeah, absolutely. He started off with an absolute bang, the veteran. Uh, a lot of talk on Kakiso Rabada. Uh, you know, rightly so, he's one of the best bowls in the world. But the wily old Fox Stane did the business up front and got rid of head and short in a matter of, matter of deliveries. Uh, how good is it to see him back? You know, he's... He's got the crazy eyes, AB, when he gets really fired up. He was pretty subdued uh, this game, to be fair. And even after the game, he was very measured in his comments. But to see Dale Stane in full flight is a great thing for world cricket. It is. He's becoming more likeable with age, Stane. I think he comes across a really sort of gracious character after the game. And uh, I think social media helps him in that regard as well. And But yeah, what a bowler. I mean, we're talking all-time great. Um, and he just looks... Yeah, watching stay in full flight at that new Perth Stadium, it was um, it was impressive stuff. Even if the Aussies were getting carved up, so that was Australia's seventh one-day international loss in a row. That's a record for them. Seventeen of nineteen losses now, um, AB, and then again the batting issues have come up. How do we put our finger on this? I'm sure the Australians would like to know that themselves. But is it a change of formats? Is it the opposition? Was it a new stadium? They've only played there once before. What do we put that down to? Start of the summer. I mean, there's so many different variables here. But I guess I think the, the bottom bottom line is probably just confidence. Yeah, I think confidence is definitely one aspect of it. And, you know, a little bit of, uh, yeah, some doubts. And uh, it's the opening match of the, the summer for the, the Aussie men in the one-day format. It, it all just got to them a little bit, I think. Um, but, you know, 
like we say, they're an inexperienced group. I think there's no need to sort of rush changes to that batting order. Give them a chance. Give them another couple of matches. Obviously, Justin Langer and the selectors have picked these guys for a reason. Um, we don't have an awful lot to choose from at the moment. Uh, and there's some very exciting players there. So Finch has had a bit of a lean run. Head's done well at the top. Maybe you could look to open with Chris Lynn, perhaps. Um, just give him a complete license to go. And Finch can sort of build his innings around that and um, push head down into the middle order, give it, give a little bit of stability to that middle order. Um, but, yeah, I don't think uh, chopping and changing the personnel is going to achieve anything. I think we've got to have a little bit of faith in these guys. Um, it's a strange little time at the moment in Australian cricket. We're certainly not used to it, are we? Absolutely not. And the Australians have called in Ben McDermott for the final two one days in Adelaide on Friday and then in Hobart on Sunday. He's in to cover Sean Marsh, who was ruled out of the match with a frightfully painful-sounding uh, abscess in the buttock region. AB, you're familiar with that problem. Um, what's he going through? Uh, well, I did speak to Mitch Marsh yesterday, and uh, Mitch said that Sean is the only person who that could have happened to. So <laughs> he, he, he was completely unsympathetic. And... Um, as you'd expect from a little brother. But, uh, yeah, poor old Sean Marsh, he can find an injury. He certainly can. Uh, McDermott, exciting prospect. He made his Australian debut over there in the UAE in those T20 games. Uh, interesting to see if they if they do put McDermott in. It sounds like he's just in there for, as cover, but an exciting play. And I think you're right. You don't want to be jumping at shadows too soon in the series. Give these guys a couple of games. Interesting that Lynn was batting at four and it wasn't really his go because he came in at... at two for nothing basically and then have to play that anchor role and see off the new ball and bat through the innings his go really is just to go as hard as he can so perhaps a promotion of the order might make some sense AB yeah I mean you know you've got to capitalise on that first 15 overs don't you in the one day as Chris Lynn seems ideally suited for that especially against the, the new hard ball and the quick bowlers that's that's his go um, as opposed to you know coming in 20 overs into the innings and milking it around and um, facing potentially Imran Tahir, I, I'm certain that Chris Lynn would prefer to be uh, to be opening the batting as opposed to that proposition. But um, you know, uh, at the same time, Travis Head has made runs at the top of the order, so there's there's reason for them persisting with him there. Um, yeah, McDermott, I'm not sure we'll get a we'll get a run, but um, geez, he hits the ball just as well. These guys all hit the ball beautifully, but it's it's a matter of um, doing it against some very good international attacks now and um, South Africa certainly have that. It's clear the Australians are desperate to find a winning combination. They even uh, mm. took the new ball off Mitchell Stark. I think it's only the fifth time in his international career that he hasn't opened the bowling in one day internationals. Um, they're just trying to find something, trying to shake it up. Mitch, uh, Aaron Finch said after the match, you know, it's the definition of insanity if you keep doing the same thing expecting different results. Uh, it only lasted one over. Nathan Coulton came on and bowled uh, the second over after Josh Hazel got hit for 16, and then it was uh, Stark right back into the attack. But do you like this move, uh, AB, that they're, gonna, they're trying things up? Stark is their ultimate strike weapon, but maybe his role moving forward could be with the uh, with the older ball. No, no not at all, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> He's been one of the most successful um, opening bowlers in Australia's one-day history. He's um, got the runs on the board or the wickets on the board, and... Um, 
yeah, I, I don't think there's any point changing that one. Uh, I do understand that they want to try new things, but you know that they lost five in a row in England and Stark wasn't playing, so him opening the bowling isn't the reason for their defeat. Um, credit to Aaron Finch for having the guts to do it, but uh, yeah, no, look, I think um, if they wanted to try Coulthard with the new ball, maybe uh, bring Hazelwood on first change. I think he would have been an effective first change option and unleash Stark at one end, Coulthard at the other. Uh, it's easy to say, though, from, from the grandstands and in hindsight when um, Coulter-Nile got smashed around in that first over. But, yeah, I, don't change your strike weapon like that. Now, coulter had the hot hand. He scored 34 with the batting, including a, a tremendous flat six over deep square leg. That was a, an amazing mm. shot and a, and a lovely straight drive as well. He got 34. That was the top score for the Australians. He also picked up a wicket, that of Quinton de Kock. It's great to see him back after such... An injury-riddled career. It feels like every time he's making a mark and looking to cement his spot in that Australian side, he just comes down with an injury. It must be something in the West. Sean Marsh, Coulton, all these guys just picking up these <laughs> bizarre, unique injuries. Either that or uh, or just the fast bowlers curse, isn't it? We've yeah. seen it with plenty of the Aussie quicks over the years, and Coulton is another. He's probably been worse than most. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. I think he's thirty now, and. We've barely seen him over the last few years, but invariably when we do, he, he takes wickets, a bit like Jason Berendorf, another one from the West. Um, yeah, fingers crossed he can... Uh, I know he sort of has a, a white ball plan to get himself to the to the World Cup, if he can. Um, I think Australia would be all the better for it. He's a, he's a terrific all-round cricketer. Um, excellent in the field. We've seen him with the bat. Uh, but, yeah, it's a matter of staying on the park. If, if he can stay on the park, he'll, he'll push, you know, Hazelwood, Cummins for, for a fast bowling spot. Absolutely. And as we look ahead to Adelaide, uh, Friday's match at the Adelaide Oval, uh, there's going to be some change. You'd have to think Australia went with four fast bowls uh, for that first game in Perth. And that was brought about by Sean Marsh being withdrawn. There was a, there was a feeling around the group that uh, Cummins was going to miss that game uh, and Zampa was going to play. But by bringing Short in, they had that wrist-spinning option. So... Uh, he came in, then Cummins came in as well. Zampa and Sean Marsh dropped out. You have to think that Zampa will probably play at Adelaide. They reckon that the pitch is going to be similar to what they encountered in Perth, but you have to think there'll be mm-hmm. a leg spinner in there somewhere, which means one of those four quicks is going to drop out. Uh, hard to see Coulton-Ole getting out of the game now. Hazelwood bowl well. And in fact, they all bowl pretty well against a, a defending a pretty small target. Who do you think they make? Uh, who do you think makes way there, AB? Do they... Get rid, of, get rid of one of the big three, or does Coulton have a rest? It's going to be a tough one. It is going to be a tough one. I have no idea. It may depend on uh, how they all pulled up. If, like you said, though, it wasn't uh, as if they all got any of them got through their full ten overs. So I'd say they'll probably um, assess how they're all travelling and then look at their look at their uh, schedules for the upcoming little period and work out who they're going to rest now. It'll be a bit of a rotation thing. And, yeah, I expect Zampa to come in. He's been bowling really well. Had a really good JLT Cup, and um, he deserves another shot, I think. Absolutely. Home ground gives Zampa a run. Uh, and what do we think, AB? That that first game out of the way, uh, Aussies couldn't have played much worse, so we're expecting a better performance from them in the second game and to level this series and make it a decider down there at Bill Reeve Oval? Oh, yeah, yeah, you would think so. I mean... That, they're due, aren't they? <laughs> 17 out of 19, <laughs> 17 losses in a row. Uh, seven losses in a row. Um, but, you know, who knows? I I think the one um, the one comfort Langer might have taken out of that that match was um, 
Stoinis bowled pretty well, and if he can pick up a few wickets like that, it's a, it's a really extra, really handy extra string to the Aussies' attack because um, then you can bring in the likes of Zampa and you've got your three quicks and then you've got a reliable medium-pace seeming option, especially with an eye to the World Cup. I mean, uh, Stoinis, you'd imagine, would enjoy those conditions over in England. But um, So I think he'll take some comfort in that. As for Adelaide, um, well, the South African batsmen I thought looked pretty good. Hendricks, Markram, these guys. Um, the cock. Yes, he, he looked outstanding, didn't mm. he? he? He is such a good one-day player, or such a good all-round cricketer, really. Um, so, yeah, they've got, they're up against it, the Aussies. I, I think it would be a, a pretty bold man to uh, predict them to win, which are, are you going to do, Sam? I think we'll have a decider, AB. They can't play yeah. as bad as they did <laughs> in Perth. <laughs> uh, they'll get rid of that. And, you know, I think the, in some respects, maybe the pressure is off a little bit that they, uh, there was a lot of expectation with the, the first game of their home summer. Uh, Fox Cricket televising the coverage for the first time. Uh, there are all these other things that were going on. You know, Justin Langer's mm. first game at, at home. So all these things, um, there was a lot of build-up. Now they can sort of step back, get out of the limelight a little bit, build for, build for Friday, and they've seen, had a look at the South Africans. I think that's going to do them a world of good as well. So let's hope that they go out there and, and shake this um, this terrible losing streak. I mean, it's unprecedented in Australian history. Mm. And Justin Langer will be desperate to get the monkey off the back too. Uh, you mentioned uh, that was his first match at home uh, the other day in Perth on in his home state too. It was a loss followed by, and preceded by, sorry, losses in the, the T20 series, losses in the Test series, losses in the One Day series in England. Uh, he hasn't had a win yet. He won a couple of those T20s in that tri-series, didn't he? But there's been no series win and... Um, and I don't doubt there's been many back-to-back either, so they're going to have to have a long, hard look at themselves, and and, and I'm sure the, the, the results will turn eventually. That's what the old saying, A beats not as bad as it seems, it's not as good as it seems, so we'll see. I wonder if uh, if anything that's happened in the boardroom has affected the Australians. Um, there's a, David Peaver, the chairman, has resigned. Um, Mark Taylor, one of the long-standing directors on the board, has resigned as well. We've seen a new CEO and Kevin Roberts take over from James Sutherland. Pat Howard's declared that he's not going to look to renew his contract after the World Cup next year. A lot of change uh, in the boardroom and in, in the backroom staff, I guess, to say, so to say. But I wonder if that's had any effect to them. You think they're, they're professional cricketers, these guys, and they are kind of focused on what they're doing out on the field. But I wonder if that's just playing on their mind a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if that would directly be playing on their minds or impacting them. I heard Chris Lynn say that, you know, he it was sounded like he was oblivious to quite a bit of what was going on, which is a good thing, I think. And but you know, perhaps some indirect um, repercussions in the sense of more spotlight on the Aussie team than ever. The suspensions of Smith and Warner uh, still being discussed, weakening the team. A lot of inexperience perhaps a lack of confidence in leadership, you know, probably more the ripples as opposed to the um, direct impact of, of what's happening in the boardroom, I would suggest. But, yeah, either way, it's, it's not ideal um, scenario for the Aussies to be, to be in the middle of, especially when you're on a seven-match losing streak.
All right, AB, let's have a look at the domestic scene and there is a full round of JLT shiver shoot action underway as we record this podcast. Uh, now, you're up, at, you're up there at AB Fields, not named after you, unfortunately. Um, and let's start with a big score from Debatable. Mitchell Marsh. He's come, he's come back. He's come back um, into the team. Missed out on the one-day squad, came back uh, to WA to spend some time in the middle and score some runs for them, and he's done so. Yeah, and he did it in style too. It was a... A very patient innings. I think he faced 301 deliveries and uh, made 151. So he kind of just, he looked like he was a man on a mission, actually. It came to the crease at two for 37. Didn't leave until they were almost 400 and um, was outstanding. I was He played very well last summer, didn't he, in Perth and Sydney when he made those hundreds in the ashes. And I thought this innings, he looked every bit as good it, he was his pull shots, his drives. Those are two of his strengths, and gee, that he was playing them beautifully. But what was most impressive was his uh, defence. He, he left the ball well. He got in behind the ball really well. Um, he talked afterward about some adjustments he'd made about getting his pad front pad out of the way because uh, he'd been trapped a few times in the UAE, and. Um, yeah, he just looked really polished. Uh, he looked a different man from the guy who struggled for runs against Pakistan. So, all in all, I'm backing Mitchy Marsh in for a big summer of runs, Sammy. Oh, well, there's, you've heard it here first. Uh, what about Matt Renshaw, AB? He got 89 in the first innings up there. Uh, I think it was 30 off about 120 balls at one point. It seemed like the a classic Matt Renshaw uh, a knock. You can say that he's such a young man. He's got a classic innings already, but he seems like one of those guys, when he really puts his mind to it, he's just going to refuse to get out and bat a lot of time on the crease. But then he um, upped the ante a little bit later on once he got his eye in. Uh, 89 from 215 balls. Uh, he's been short of match practice, and that's what uh, saw him get left out of that those teams in the UAE. But uh, a good sign... Uh, moving towards that first test on December 6th against the Indians. It is a good time. He'll be desperate to get back there. He sort of, I, when he missed out in the, the last Shield game, I thought it was a groundhog day from last summer when he was just struggling and almost trying too hard to get runs ahead of the Ashes to get picked in that test series. And now he finds himself in a similar boat. So he'll be very relieved that he, he did make a score. And we've seen now that. You said it was a classic Renshaw innings, and, and it was in that sense that you you were talking about. But he's had that success this year. He's scored half a dozen first-class hundreds this year, and he's been rattling along at a strike rate of 60 or 70. It, it really changed his game at the start of this year, and it worked for him. I hope he hasn't reverted into his shell too much. Um, but I guess we'll find out in the coming weeks and whether or not Justin Langer wants to use him up the top of the order. Um, Langer did speak glowingly about him ticking every box over in the UAE. So well, yeah, it'll be it'll be tough to see whether uh, they can find room for him in that top six because uh, Kawaja looks like he, he's just started to come back on track in terms of um, his recovery. So can expect him to be fit for the first test. Finch certainly... Did himself no harm with some runs in the UAE. So, yeah, that, that top order is looking a little bit crowded. Mm. Down in Melbourne, where it's absolutely drenched down there today, AB, uh, Pete Hanscom, another player in test uh, in the test frame there. Uh, he got uh, 123, a long overdue 100 for him. He played very, very well in the JLT One Day Cup. Lots of 50s in that tournament. Uh, but it must be a relief for him to get that 100 and put his name mon- back amongst... Um, the headlines. Um, I'm, I'm sure that um, 
if Australia are going to get their way out of this funk, that a player like Peter Hanscom uh, could be, uh, you know, vital to that. Definitely, particularly if he's confident with this uh, refined technique. He, he talked a lot about um, how he's adjusted his technique working with Chris Rogers in Brisbane and, and all of that. And it, it kind of brought with it a bit of a trough of runs, didn't it? He, he, uh, he had a lean patch there as he was kind of getting used to the new technique. Seems like now he is used to it. Shield 100, like you said, 50s in the JLT Cup. So an informed Pete Hanscom does add a lot to um, Australia's middle order. We've already seen he can score test hundreds. He's done that at home. He's scored very important um, innings on the subcontinent for Australia in test cricket. So he's got the goods. There's no doubt about it, Hanscom. He's a mature mature guy, intelligent cricketer. I think... Um, I think we'll see Hanscom back in the test fold probably sooner rather than later. But again, it's a juggling act. We've got um, the incumbents to think about as well. So who knows what way the selectors are going to go, really. Yeah, what do you think? Matthew Wade said the other day that uh, he doesn't think there's actually that many spots open in that test uh, top order. Uh, Justin Langer said it's wide open given the performances of the batting group. But uh, he always said that you've got to do something pretty special to um, displace an incumbent. How many spots do you actually reckon are available at the moment? Quaja's injured, Renshaw's coming back into form, Finch is there. Sean Marsh, who knows that um, hopefully that buttock abscess situation is not as bad as, as it, it sounds. Um, how many spots in that top six do you actually think are open? Yeah, it's a tough question, Sammy, in terms of the, the number of spots available because you know the incumbents, aside from the, uh, the collapses that we saw in the UAE, there was a few good performances too. Travis Head made runs on debut, Finch made runs. The Marsh brothers didn't, but now they've come back into shield cricket. They've both made runs. Kawaja's spot is obviously cemented. So, you know, the, I guess Labashane's the guy who looks like the most likely to make way at this point. Um, so I don't know, do we have half a dozen guys gunning for his spot? Um, Hanscom for Labashane might seem like the most likely change at this point. But, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Renshaw... Another score from him. If he makes 100 in, in the next Shield game, then he's starting to bang the door down. It, it's, a, it's a tough one. AB, it was also great to see James Pattinson back in action down there at the MCG. He's had a storied injury um, history, and he's finally come back. He's had some radical back surgery, but he's back. He's bowling quick. No wickets in that first innings, three in the second, and it looked like he was beating some of those players with pace. Uh, Callum Ferguson got bowled with a, a real peach of a delivery I guess you could say and I think it did beat him for pace um, it's exciting to see him back and with the Ashes not far away I don't think he's going to be in line for a, a test return this summer but his goal is the Ashes isn't it and if he's up there and firing the big three quickly turns into the big four again it does how exciting is that um, yeah Pattinson's spoken recently about uh, the Ashes being his ultimate goal and which is very understandable we've seen uh, the sort of damage he can do in England he had that ridiculous county season last year where he was taking wickets for fun, bowling fast and hostile and aggressive, which is, you know, peak James Pattinson. If he can um, string a few matches together, uh, that is extremely exciting. I, I, I believe he's as good as Hazelwood, Cummins, Stark, uh, any of them um, in, in terms of test cricket. Um, but yeah, he's he's probably had the the worst run of a lot of them in terms of the injuries. So, seventeen tests, seventy wickets, something along those lines. Um, let's hope he can add to that because 
he's exciting. He'll be a lot better for that run yesterday and uh, didn't have to bowl too many overs. And uh, yeah, hopefully he can head into the next Shield game. They've got a very good attack, don't they? The Vicks, they're, they're on fire at the moment. I think Rain's going to cost them, though, uh, by looks of it, in this match. Yeah, Scott Boland down there taking seven wickets as well in the first innings. Uh, Tom Cooper, he's had a very fortune-favoured uh, start to the Shield season. He's been uh, left out of sides and there's been injuries to come back in and uh, he's made the most of it. He's got he scored his second Shield century of the season. He's 31. Uh, he's always been there or thereabouts. He's an international cricketer AV for the Dutch. He's a, a Netherlands uh, stalwart for many years now, but... Um, You'd have to think he's a bolter if he's going to get in that test team. But all the selectors want is to score runs and be a big uh, and be a good bloke. He's scoring lots of runs, and as far <laughs> as I can tell, he's a bloody good bloke. <laughs> tick tick. Uh, yeah, I think it was first class hundred number ten for Tom Cooper. So it's been, it seems like he's been around forever, but um, uh, he'll be disappointed he made a, a duck in the second innings. I mean, a, a fifty. Uh, you know, even just a half century or something would have uh, would have held held his case uh, a little bit higher in the eyes of the selectors. But um, yeah, I reckon he'd be he'd be a long shot at this point. Um, I reckon there's a few others ahead of him. Yeah, and let's finish on um, a pair of young gun New South Wales Blues players, uh, batters Jason Sanger and Jack Edwards. As we record this podcast. Jack Edwards has scored his maiden first-class century and then got out shortly after playing his favourite pull shot caught in the deep. 101 for Jack and Jason Sanger's on 98. Uh, we won't say he's going to get 100 because we don't want to put the moz on him, but they say it's generation next. But it's generation now for the Blues. They've they've uh, gone with this youth policy this summer. Uh, they could have easily dropped Sanger after last game getting a pair in Adelaide, but they've stuck with him. He's got the runs. Jack bat. bat Jack down there batting at number seven got gets that first first class hundred. It's very exciting, isn't it? But these are under nineteen players and they are performing on the domestic level. Yeah, two teenagers scoring big runs in the Shield for the Blues. It is. It's exciting to see. I think we've been waiting for this for a while. Um, not sure if there's been a generational gap or or what it is, but these two look the goods, don't they? Uh, a lot talked about within Australian cricket circles of the pair of them. Um, so yeah, it's really nice to see them delivering. Edward now has a hundred in. Um, actually, Sanger's just brought up his hundred as well, so we can now say that they both made made their maiden shield hundreds, yeah. um, which is yeah terrific to see. They, Edwards has a uh, JLT Cup hundred, and Sanger made a hundred last summer against England. So yeah, they've been uh, exciting prospects for a little while now, but. You know, a few more hundreds, big summers for these guys in the Shield, and, and we might even be looking towards them as uh, future internationals sooner rather than later. And that's the thing, isn't it, AB? We want to get these young players, you know, seasons in the Jeff, in the JLT Sheffield Shield, not let them play a handful of games and score a couple of hundreds and mm. get them in. I mean, we all talk about Ricky Ponting and what a magnificent young player he was, but... How many hundreds did he score before he got into the test team? He was very young, but he'd been plundering the attacks from a very early age. Exactly. Ponting had just been... I think he'd had three seasons of, you know, three shield hundreds per season. Then uh, before his debut uh, against Sri Lanka in test cricket, he scored 100 against them for Tasmania. Um, so, you know, he, he was a proven performer. The risk these days is, with, with such uncertainty around our batting order, 
is rushing these guys into international cricket, which, you know, in the long term could be fraught with danger. But um, for now, yeah, let's, let's hope they can uh, back up these runs and maybe uh, put together a seven, eight, nine hundred run shield season and, and go from there. Um, but yeah, very exciting prospects. Edwards, what is he, six foot five, and he just dances down the pitch like he's a, you know, a figure skater. He looks terrific and he's just so nonchalant with some of his stroke play. And Sanger, on the other hand, he's a re- looks a real technician. They're both very different with the way they play the game, but gee, they, they're both very good to watch. Exciting times for New South Wales cricket. AB, we'll let you go, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, and we'll no doubt uh, hear more from you from your reports from Alan Borderfield up there in Queensland. Thanks, Samuel. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Don't forget you can watch the JLT Shepherd Shield live and free on cricket.com.au, uh, the Gillette One Day Series on Fox Cricket and the CA Live app. And for all your news scores and updates from the World T20, the Women's World T20 over there in the Caribbean, stay logged on to cricket.com.au. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.